Le Prince had broken cover. He had applied for a US patent for his receiver and deliverer and in so doing laid out his plans to be examined and eventually, fingers crossed, to be published as a new invention whose workings would be laid out in the public domain. Le Prince's proposal consisted of 19 pages and 10 drawings explaining in impressive detail the workings of his machine. Le Prince's camera, his receiver, was shown to possess multiple lenses with a corresponding number of shutters mechanically activated in sequence and behind all this, two rolls of film of gelatine or other substance moving behind them alternately. Cranking a handle would bring all this to life. Le Prince's machine was also a deliverer. Once a sequence of images had been exposed and then fixed onto film strip, the camera could be turned into a projector by adding lights and reflectors behind the lenses and running the pictures back, running the machine in reverse, if you like. When it came to playing back these images, these strips would be mounted on Endless metallic ribbons provided at regular intervals with holes and wheels with pins set on the circumference. Or, in other words, Le Prince seems to be describing perforations. He would fit the strip of images onto some kind of band which consisted of the endless metallic ribbons which had holes or perforations or sprocket holes. The wheels with pins on the circumference would be the sprockets, turning round and moving the ribbon with a film strip on. Let's call this device, this deliverer, which was basically the camera in reverse, the main deliverer. And we're giving it a name because there was another way of viewing a sequence which Le Prince had incorporated into the patent design. Last episode, we looked at the inventor's workshop notes and early descriptions sent to his patent lawyers and we came across a viewing device that consisted of two discs with images around the edges. The discs span round and images from each disc were seen alternately in quick succession. It sounds like a kind of double praxinoscope type viewer. Well, Le Prince had taken this design and added four lenses to it for projecting back the images and he had added it to the design. So let's call this part of the machine the spinning disc deliverer. It's a really interesting and slightly strange add-on and it made its way into Le Prince's patent application. And with this overall design, Le Prince claimed that it becomes possible to record and by means of the deliverer to reproduce afterward the aspect of any scenery, meeting, procession, races, etc., under fair conditions of light. This was the design Le Prince submitted to the US Patent Office to be inspected by examining officer William Burke. All Le Prince could do at this point was sit back and see what Mr. Burke had to say about it all.
The Shadow Traps, Episode 30, Flying Pictures Looking through the New York Times of the 21st of December 1886, one might come across Buffalo Bill's Wild West show playing Madison Square Garden, Prominent Mason Insane, Irish Police Outwitted, A Steamship Founders. On page two of the paper was a sad tale of an old man's suicide. A real estate broker with little business to do had shot himself in the head with an old-fashioned forty-two calibre Derringer. He had left a note. Sir, this is a case of simple suicide and there is no need of a coroner's inquest. Being an old man, somewhat unfortunate and feeble, and at the same time poor, I am unwilling to go to the poorhouse. So, I have decided to make an end of it. Respectfully, Amos R. Binney. Born October 31st, 1819, died December 18th, 1886, age 67. Back in the land of the living, and over a month since applying for his patent, Louis Le Prince was about to receive some other news himself. On the 21st of December 1886, Mr Burke, the examiner for the US Patent Office, wrote to Le Prince, care of Mononco, Le Prince's patent lawyers. Mr Burke said the invention is thought to embrace two separate and distinct inventions, a photographic camera and a stereopticon of special construction. Now, as an aside, viewing devices were often known as stereopticons, even though they weren't 3D. Anyway, consequently, the Patent Office advised that a division is considered necessary. And then the Patent Office had added that when properly presented, the alleged invention will be examined upon its merits. William Burke, Examiner. In other words, the Patent Office considered that two separate inventions were being included in a single patent application. This was Le Prince's first setback in what would be a protracted and frustrating affair. According to the Patent Office, his receiver and his deliverer would need to be dealt with separately. However, I think Le Prince hoped that he might be able to avoid having to do something that drastic. How could he do that? His design stated that films might be viewed back using the main deliverer or the spinning disc deliverer. Perhaps by taking the main deliverer and the spinning disc deliverer as two different things and then by getting rid of only one of them he might make the patent office happy without having to get rid of everything that played back images. Within days, Le Prince had formulated his response to the patent office's objections. It was to eliminate the spinning disc device from the application and hope that the camera and its modified twin, the main deliverer, would be accepted as a coherent enough single entity. Now, I think that this was wishful thinking to an extent because the patent office's objection 
had been made clear by its comment that the two inventions were first, a photographic camera of the roller holder type shown in figures 1 to 6 inclusive of the drawings and second, a stereopticon of special construction shown in figures 7 to 10 inclusive so anything taking pictures and anything delivering pictures. But Le Prince was hoping that by chopping a bit of his deliverers he might get away with keeping the rest. Let me try and explain this a bit more and listen carefully to the numbers. Le Prince's original application made clear that figures 7 and 8 illustrated his main deliverer while figures 9 and 10 were for the spinning disc device. The Patent Office, by rejecting the claims illustrated in figures 7 to 10, was therefore rejecting all parts of any kind of a deliverer. They were rejecting the main deliverer and the spinning disc deliverer, anything and everything that played back the images. Le Prince started taking out descriptions of the spinning disc device and instructed the patent office to cancel figures 9 and 10 of the drawing. And so, he certainly made an effort to look like he was being cooperative. But did you notice he said cancel 9 and 10, not 7 to 10 inclusive. The patent office had objected to 7 to 10 inclusive. He left in figures 7 and 8, the figures for the main deliverer, hoping, I suppose, that they might somehow survive further scrutiny. So, I think that Le Prince at this point was pushing his luck. Either way, with his specifications pruned down somewhat, Le Prince, through his lawyers, wrote back to the patent office with the changes. The amendment is believed to put this case in condition for examination, they wrote hopefully on the 29th of December, 1886. On February the 1st, 1887, the Patent Office wrote back, the news was not good. Le Prince's amendments had not been considered sufficient and taking just the spinning disc device had not been enough to appease the examiner. The Patent Office now highlighted the specific claims which would need to be removed, and as Le Prince had feared, they covered those that referred to the main viewing device as well, which was still being deemed a separate invention. The Patent Office had also advised Le Prince that the title of invention should also be made to harmonise with the remaining portion of the specification and claim. Or in other words, now that so many of the specifications had been altered, the title needed to be too. This clarification by the Patent Office would have posed a serious problem for Le Prince. Removing all references to a deliverer would defeat the object of the whole enterprise. Pictures were being captured in order that they might be played back as moving images. Without the reanimation provided by a viewing device, Le Prince was, like Etienne Dulmarais at that point, simply freezing time. This would be half a patent for Le Prince because without knowing that images were meant to be played back, 
people might not understand what it was he was doing. Le Prince's frustrations are evident in Lizzie's account of the process. There was much unforeseen waiting and an unaccountable delay. Finally, my husband's friend, Clarence A. Seward, a former director of the Lincruster Walton Company, advised an immediate personal visit to the Washington Patent Office and offered to write a letter of introduction to the chief of that bureau and mail it directly to Washington to gain time. That letter appears to have been lost. Now, writing directly suggests that Seward was happy to bypass Le Prince's own attorneys. It also suggests that Seward had a close relationship with the officials at the patent office. Le Prince did in fact make a personal visit to the patent office in Washington, D.C. in March. He reported back to Lizzie on the 30th. I did well to come myself. Whether from inattention or other reasons, the examiners had not understood the scope of my invention at all. The head of the bureau is, however, a very good fellow, and I hope to see things move along tomorrow. In the absence of Seward's letter, I have had recourse to the representative of my New York agent and have found him most useful. I have an appointment for nine o'clock tomorrow to rearrange certain phrases of the patent to obviate a new examination by the Bureau, which means another six weeks or more delay, and yet assuring the recognition of the principle, and I hope everything will be in proper order by tomorrow afternoon, but I am not sure of being able to leave before the night train. I am going to prepare the rearrangements this evening to economise the most time possible tomorrow. Note the phrase, from inattention, or other reasons, possibly a hint at Le Prince's growing suspicions of the patent office. Lizzie wrote, On his return to New York, my husband told me Hole was at last settled, but that he had great difficulty in making the officials realise the scope of his invention until finally one of them exclaimed, Why, this is the most wonderful invention of the age! It's a good thing for you, Mr. Le Prince, that we are not living in the days of witchcraft, or your very life would be in danger. The next day, 31st of March, 1887, the Prince and his lawyer submitted a series of further amendments to the patent application. And what I find interesting is that the examiner's February the 1st objections were very specific and made it clear which claims and lines to remove, and the Prince didn't follow them all. He tried to come up with his own solution. Now, reading through the three pages of alterations... I think I can see what he was trying to do. He was fighting to keep the main deliverer in the patent and he was doing this by finessing the language of his specifications and claims to convince the patent examiner that the receiver and deliverer were parts of the same single entity. I'll give you an example. In his original description, he at one point wrote, The deliverer is a modification of the receiver. 
which might have suggested to the patent office that one machine is modified, i.e. changed, into another similar but separate entity. He replaced this with, in the deliverer of my apparatus. And I think this is presenting the deliverer as an aspect of the same overall entity. Anyway, amongst further changes to the wording, there was another interesting one which I think might help us understand Le Prince's strategy. Except that rereading this, I have noticed that the patent examiner made a mistake which has complicated things slightly and which I'll come to in a minute, so please bear with me as I try and untangle things. In the original wording, Le Prince had summarised the receiver and then said, and with a deliverer, to reproduce and reconstitute such flying pictures in the same order and period of time in which they were taken, producing upon the eye of the spectator at any other time or place the very same effect or impression produced at the time of taking the photographs with a receiver. In other words, the deliverer could play back these flying pictures so that you could see the same thing a spectator had seen when the camera was actually filming it. Now, to the words themselves. Le Prince started the paragraph by saying, and with the deliverer to reproduce and reconstitute such flying pictures. Well, I can see how Le Prince might have thought that the word and was signalling a second function. I can do this, and I can do that. And remember, he was trying to present this as one invention, so he added a little something. He put, and with the deliverer, carry out or complete my process and reconstitute such flying pictures. This addition, I think, shows us Le Prince simply reframing his design for the examiner. Complete my process, he says. All these different things the taking of pictures, the showing of pictures, are part of one process. Without the deliverer, therefore, the process is incomplete. These aren't two things. These are two parts of one thing. I think this is what he was saying. Except, and I only noticed this as I was putting together this podcast, and I wonder if it had anything to do with the examiner's decisions going forwards except that the examiner had misread Le Prince's instructions. I should point out that the amendments Le Prince sent in to the Patent Office on the 31st of March 1887 were all handwritten. And I read and reread this several times and I can see that the examiner has misread the flourish at the beginning of the M in my and taken it as an A and read the word as any, and as a result, the examiner has written into the patent description as a modification, and with the deliverer, carry out or complete any process and reconstitute such flying pictures. And that doesn't really make much sense. But there you go. What Le Prince was trying to do was repeat the notion of a single process something that in this particular paragraph the examiner missed. Here is another amendment by Le Prince, another clue as to what he was attempting to do. 
and an important compromise on his part. He inserted into his application, I do not claim the particular deliverer in this application as I propose making the same the subject of a separate application. And this is a huge tactical change. He is excluding the deliverer from the protection of a patent and yet not taking it out of the patent description. What's a reasoning, do you think? It could be that he felt it vital that the whole process of filmmaking be understood for the camera to be understood. He perhaps felt that having a patent for parts of the process would allow him to get that separate patent for the Stereopticon before the competition could catch him. And he would have been forced into that position because of the patent office's repeated pushbacks, telling him to take out the claims referring to a deliverer. I think that a likely scenario is that Le Prince, on his trip to the patent office that he described to Lizzie, sat down with the head of the bureau and explained that the whole process was the thing and that between them a compromise was worked out whereby the whole process was explained, thereby setting context for the camera. But the claims for the invention of the deliverer were deferred so that the examiner would be satisfied that two inventions were not being squeezed into one patent. This seems to have been a belt and braces approach by Le Prince, who is now trying to present everything as a single entity and simultaneously seeking to claim patent protection for only part of it. A final amendment was made on the 31st of March, whereby Le Prince described receiving and delivering images and wrote that the camera may serve the twofold purpose described, which again seems to be an attempt to fold two functions into a single entity. And so, in a nutshell, I think that Le Prince's strategy was to say, look, these are two functions, receiving and delivering, that make up a single process, that are parts of a single entity, and that must be understood as a whole. But to be sure, whilst I am describing this whole, I am refraining from trying to claim the second part of the process as an invention so as to avoid the objection of two inventions in a single patent. And I have a sneaking suspicion that Le Prince might have imagined a silver lining in that, despite all this compromise, having his deliverer at least laid out in such detail in a patent would probably, surely, have provided him with a strong legal argument against anyone who tried to copy the idea. It could be asked, how could the patent office not see what Le Prince was trying to say? How could they not see that playing back the images was an integral part of film? That film does not exist without playback. But I think it is once again a case of historiography. Film didn't exist. And the idea of putting all these things together was the thing that was new. Cameras that looked similar to the Prince's and did similar things existed. For example, multiplying cameras that had several lenses and took several pictures at the same time in order to produce more portraits in a shorter amount of time. These kinds of things would have been reference points for the examiner. Mybridge's zoopraxiscope played back looped bursts of a second or so of movement 
but not continuous recorded movement. Cameras were lots of things. What Le Prince wanted to do with his wasn't necessarily the most obvious useful one, which is hard to imagine now, but not perhaps in 1887. So, Le Prince's grand idea, his process, wasn't as obvious as it seems now. And it's understandable that the patent office took its time getting to grips with it. Or, as Lizzie suspected, was there another reason for the delays? Thank you for listening to this episode of The Shadow Traps. If you'd like to know more about this project or to support it in any way, please go to the Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash The Shadow Traps. Thank you very much for listening.